Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited about today's episode. I feel like I say that about every episode, and feel free to call me out if I do. But the truth of the matter is that I am literally meeting so many amazing people by having this podcast and being able to share that with you. It's just the most rewarding thing ever. So today's episode is featuring Sarah Furzam. And she is actually the founder and CEO of Bilingual Birdies, which is a company that literally celebrates diversity. Sarah is half Mexican and half Iranian. She grew up in LA and she started Bilingual Birdies in New York City in 2007 with three students. And she has grown it into a 21-city operation across the United States, Canada, and Australia, where bilingual educators license the program to start their own Bilingual Birdies business to share their language and culture with children while earning money. Her intention with her work in Bilingual Birdies is to create a space where children can increase their cross-cultural awareness and celebrate diversity. I mean, can we talk about how badass this woman sounds? And we haven't even gone into this conversation yet. Oh, 
wait until you guys hear the story of how Sarah literally built this business from the ground up. She is just a natural born hustler. And I think a lot of that actually has to do with her cultural background, but she's going to get into all of that and more. And then you can actually find out how you can start your own bilingual birdies business right from your house. Let's get into this episode with Sarah of Bilingual Birdies. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. First off, I'm so glad that you reached out to me to be on the podcast because your story is so, so interesting and I cannot wait to dive in. Hola, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share anything that would hopefully be of value to your listeners. Absolutely. So why don't we go ahead and start off with you introducing yourself? Sure. So I'm Sarah, and I'm the founder and CEO of Bilingual Birdies. We are a bilingual education program for young children up to the age of six. We teach Spanish, French, Mandarin, Chinese, and English, and it's all done through music, movement, dance, puppets. It's really, really fun. Um, bilingual educators go into preschools where they lead caregiver and child classes, and um, licensees uh, start their own bilingual birdies businesses, um, and it's really an awesome way to, to get started with entrepreneurship, have a side hustle or have it be your primary source of income. So it's, it's been really awesome. I started Bilingual Birdies in New York City when I was 24 years old. And um, it's been a while, that was 13 years ago. And we have really ignited a bilingual education movement. And so I look for other individuals who would like to do that and transform the communities that they live in. That's awesome. I love the fact that you created a business that celebrates diversity. I don't think we see that enough. And so that is just super inspiring. Oh, good. We need to be seeing more of it. Yes. Yes. So if absolutely. People, yeah. If people out there have ideas about those types of things, you know, it's just, it always begins with an idea, right? So it's, it's so For sure. So you have a really interesting background. So you're half Mexican, half Iranian, and you grew up in LA. So I can only imagine what growing up looks like with those cultures. Like, I feel like they're, they sound very different, but they have a lot in common. So I'm curious as to how your cultural background formed your relationship with money. Oh, very interesting question. Yes. So my relationship with money was a very, very stressful one growing up. Um, you know, I was always wondering why there wasn't more of it. <laughs> How do I get more of it? Um, you know, it was always a, 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 send, a like a struggle, right? It was always like a point of contention, definitely in the family. Um, I, I was just, you know, I had a job ever since I was 14. Like I, I had asked my parents like, oh, I want money, you know, and they were like, okay, go work. And I'm like, no, but you need to be like 15 to get a job, like legally, like at the time, I guess, you know, that's what you need to be. And they were like, no, that's okay. We'll go to the school and sign for you so you can get like a permit and you can start working <laughs> earlier. <laughs> I was like, all right. So, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I always had two to three jobs until I started Bilingual Birdies and, and that ultimately became profitable and my primary source of income. But yeah, it was definitely very stressful. I think, um, you know, I, Iranian culture and Mexican culture are both so lovely. They have so many, both are such rich cultural heritages. They have so much love and, and you know, uh, culture and, and legacy. Uh, I think that dinner table conversation was not about how to make more money you know it just it just mm -hmm. wasn't that 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 financial literacy wasn't really a part of um you know my parents my parents upbringing they moved to the states you know from mexico and iran and they came as students and they really struggled i mean no language no 
no family, no money, no nothing, you know, and they, they had to, to sort of figure things out as best as they could as immigrants. And, you know, I would say that they, they would say their greatest accomplishment is their, is their two children, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting because I come from a family that really knows nothing about business and, and sort of like investing or, um, you know, just how to stack cheese, right? And so <laughs> it's, it's really interesting how actually my brother and I have sort of changed the DNA of our family because he's an entrepreneur too. And, you know, um, we, we managed to, to figure that piece out. So it's, That's really interesting. Yeah. So what do your parents do or what did they do when they were working? Yeah, so my mom worked uh, in nonprofit her, her whole life. Um, uh, a good portion of the time um, she was working in organizations. And then after a while, she started working in um, a retirement center. So she worked, I mean, she started off as like a secretary, right? And then she worked her way up to be an administrator of, a, of like an old age home, right? Mm-hmm. And then my dad he dabbled in entrepreneurship, right? And so he had um, a stationery store for a long time when I was a kid. And then um, eventually it actually went under because, you know, the staples and the office depots of the world opened up. And so mm-hmm. that was, that was of course, very difficult for small businesses to compete with. So, you know, it's interesting because it's definitely like in our blood, Iranian culture, you know, if you, if it's our legacy, right? Iranian people, they were merchants and traders. And, you know, when, when I really think about how I grew up, you know, like I grew up watching my dad negotiate at Rite Aid and being like, is this the best <laughs> offer you can give me, you know? And I was like, That's hysterical. Yeah, yo, dad is not that type of place, you know? But I feel like I, I really learned from him you know, how to sort of, you know, make a deal and these kind, these types of things that are, um, you know, maybe I didn't learn from them exactly how to fill out an Excel spreadsheet and, you know, like do bookkeeping and that types of things. But a lot of those, um, you know, hardcore characteristic traits of being a good entrepreneur, I, I think, you know, I took from my own cultural heritage. Um, Mexican people are of the hardest working people on the planet. And, you mm-hmm. know, they're very much the backbone of, of our society here in the U.S. And I feel like I, I really inherited that from my mom and her mom and her mom, you know, and just like a long lineage of a very strong work ethic. And so I would say that those types of things really influenced and informed, you know, my work today and the journey of entrepreneurship. That is brilliant. And I love, I love hearing those stories. And so thank you for sharing that. It's so, um, it's so true, you know, like, I don't think we realize until we're adults, like the characteristics that our families built into us, and they lead to a lot of, you know, the decisions that we make. So it sounds like, you know, even though your dad, um, you know, he started a business that didn't necessarily flourish, like he taught you entrepreneurial skills that are serving you today. And that's awesome. Absolutely. I would say, I would say so. Yeah. All right. So let's talk through your career. I want to know before you were a CEO of a company, like how did you get started? What was your career trajectory and what did that look like? Yeah. So I, you name it, I had it. <laughs> like I, had so, <laughs> I had so many different jobs. Um, you know, I was always from babysitting to, I was working at Forever 21 as a cashier. Back then it was called Fashion 21, you know? Mm. I, I worked at a deli. I, were, I mean, I had so many jobs when I was in high school and junior high and high school. And then 
Um, when I was in college, I was, you know, a tutor and I would, you know, mentor kids and then they would pay you something for that. And so, um, you know, teach an after school program, hip hop dance classes. I was one of these girls that goes and dances at like bar and bat mitzvahs for, for rich people that have these like <laughs> big blowout, like, you know, like, like quinceanera type party for kids, uh, Jewish kids birthday. Um, and I would like hype the crowd, you know? Um, yeah. so then of course I, I moved to New York city and I was teaching in a high school and I mm -hmm. had no idea what New York was about. I grew up in LA and, um, I didn't realize how expensive it was. Mm -hmm. And so my brother lives and uh, still does at that time, lived in New York and, um, he has twins to, to my twin nieces. So I'd sort of hang out with them a little bit here and there. And I just wasn't making enough money. So I was a high school teacher slash cocktail waitress. And I would basically work from early morning until 5 p.m. in the school. And then I would rush downtown to my second job and work 6.30 until 4 in the morning serving, you know, bottles. Wow. Service. And it was pre-recession and pre the other recession. And, you know, it was like 2007, 2006. And I, I just saved up as much money as I could because I was working two jobs and I, you know, I would go home, sleep for three, four hours, wake up, could do it again. And it was really intense. It was my early twenties, but you know, when you're 24, you have so much energy, you can do that sort of thing. So I mm -hmm. really maximized the amount of hours and then of course I couldn't tell my parents because they're super strict and like they would not be cool with me like being a cocktail waitress in New York City <laughs> so they would always ask me like where are you why do you never answer the phone and I'd be like I'm in yoga and they're like there's no way you could be in yoga this many hours a day <laughs> you know so I had to do what I had to do because you know I needed money so I did that for about a year and then I realized you know this is not a sustainable lifestyle this is not what I set out to do. I, I'm educated. I, I should be able to figure this out. And so I quit working um, in the high school because I basically made more money like in one week at the restaurant than I than I did in the entire month in, in teaching in high school, which is oh, very wow. sad, you know, and I, it's like ultimately that's the type of work I'd like to return to at some point. But I was really young at the time. I didn't have that much to offer. So I started thinking, what else can I do? And I would hang out with my twin nieces. Sunday was kind of like my only day off. I'd go to the parks with them, the playgrounds. And, you know, I'm, if there's one characteristic that I feel I did take from my Iranian father is that I'm not shy. Like, he will talk to mm -hmm. anyone. I will talk to a brick wall. No problem. Full conversation, <laughs> you know. So I would just chat up all these moms on the park benches, you know. And I'd be like, oh, what do you guys do? And they would tell me, oh, we take our kids to these classes. And I'll never forget this one woman told me she had her child enrolled in a different class every day of the week, Monday through Friday. And her kid was only two years old. And I was like, what? Like, what, what is this about? She, oh, we have music class. We have cooking class. We have dance class. We have art class. And I was just like, what is this world? You know, like, what? like I started learning about this infant toddler preschool market, you know, and, and that was mm -hmm. sort of the beginnings of my market research and surveying all these moms finding out. So I went with my nieces to a class once they, they were enrolled in like a music class. And, um, you know, it was pretty cool. It was like, this American girl there singing, you know, Bob Marley tunes and Madonna songs. And I was like, well, this is cute, you know, but um, if you put language here, then it's educational entertainment. Right. And I remember sitting there thinking like, okay, they have 15 kids here, you know, with their moms or their nannies or their dads or whatever. And 
you know, they probably, they each paid like 25 bucks to be here. These people probably rented the dance studio that we're in for like X amount of dollars an hour. They're probably paying the teacher like this much per hour. Like this is a pretty good business, you know, like if you if subtract those hard costs and that's awesome, you know? So I thought, well, maybe I could do this and, and put Spanish, you know, and like add a language. And so I was like, well, I guess I could just try and then if it works, cool. And if it doesn't, I'll just get a job when I turn 25, like the rest of my friends, like just enter <laughs> the working serious world, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it it led me into getting the, the idea and, and like, you know, from my past experience, I, I, I grew up in a very, you know, multicultural home. Um, you know, we always would have these big parties where, you know, we had one person would be telling jokes and another person would be singing, another person would play you know, an instrument and, you know, some, someone else would recite poetry and it was just, you know, a very definitely, you know, full, lively kind of like entertainment every week in the house, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so I just knew I wanted to pull from, again, that cultural heritage, those experiences I had with a very beautiful upbringing and, and share it, share my languages and cultures with, with other families. Right. I thought, well, if it worked for me, like it should probably work for them too. Right. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great setup for what we're going to talk about now. So it sounds like your nieces had a lot to do with kind of the inspiration, but who actually like pushed you over the edge to be like, I need to do this and I need to do it now. So, and then we'll get into kind of what that first uh, dip of your toes into entrepreneurship look like. Yes. Dip of your toes, like jumping into the like <laughs> flamed hoop of <laughs> yeah. the unknown. Yeah. So um, I had the idea after I went to that class with my nieces, you know, they were definitely, like you said, you know, the inspiration behind just this early childhood world. And um, I, I thought, oh, this could be cool, you know. So I wrote down the idea and I went home to LA like the next week to visit my parents. And I was explaining the whole idea to my mom. and she was like, you know, I mean, you have to understand, like my parents are immigrants, like my mom comes from, she's not from Mexico City or anything like that. She comes from a small town in Sonora, the north of Mexico. And she moved to this country, you know, like everybody with hopes and dreams and aspirations for a better future, right? And so they always Mm -hmm. wanted to do something, you know, and um, like of their own, that could be really big. And of course, it's, it's hard, right? And so when I explained the idea to her, she just looked me dead in the eyes and was like, you are going to do this. Like, I don't know how, I don't know where we're going to get the money from. And I was like, I have the money because I've been waiting tables that you don't know about. So <laughs> like, we're going to figure this thing out. And she was just like, you are going to do this. And I remember feeling like, am I going to do this? Like, I, I yeah. guess I am going to do this. Like she believes you in said it. Now, yeah, so. Like, so now we got to get to doing this, you know? So right. You know, it's it's that moment when just someone shows you that they really truly believe in you, and 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 I think that is just a magical moment, you know, mm-hmm. and and to kind of you know for the for the flip to switch and click on and and you get it, it's just like oh yeah, now that she said it, this is this is going down, you know. So I'm gonna try yeah. my best, and I feel like that helps you to believe in yourself, of course, you know. Um, so it, it was really like my mother's conviction, <laughs> you know, that that helped me to to see that yes, see si puede, you know, I, I can do it. I love that. Kudos to mom. Yeah. Shout out, mom. <laughs> you you're the reason why this is happening. This yeah. is awesome. All right. So take us through that first, you know, year of your your journey starting this company. What did that look like? 
So it was very difficult. And I, I, you know, these days on Instagram, you see people making it seem like they threw it together on a nickel and it just was so easy. And I would, I would guess that that's just a filter, you know, um, mm-hmm. it was very difficult. Um, I had no hard skills on entrepreneurship. Like I didn't know, you know, how to really be organized. I didn't, you know, I didn't know about money. I didn't know about bookkeeping. I didn't know about, like I said, Excel spreadsheets and things like that. I didn't really know how to do those kinds of things, you know, but I feel I was like a natural born hustler. So I went and printed 5,000 flyers uh, from a printing place in Queens, New York. And I carried it on the subway back to my apartment. And I basically would hit the park every single day. And I would go to the park and playgrounds like all over Manhattan. And I would just go up to moms and nannies and dads and chat them. And I'd be like, oh, wait, before that, I went and found a, a dance studio in Soho. And I asked if I could rent the room, like the, the space by the hour. And they were like, yeah, sure, you could rent the space by the hour. Like our, our, it was a salsa studio. They were like, we have all the classes at night. So there's nothing going on here in the morning. So I was like, cool, mm-hmm. how much do you want an hour? And they were like, how about 100? And I was like, how about 25? And the guy was like, all right, cool. <laughs> and he was like, sure, here's the key. Do what you want. You know, and I was like, great. So then I went and printed the flyers. I put their address down. Um, I had a friend of mine from college sort of draw like a logo. Uh, I was like, I want three little birds like on a wire. It's going to be called bilingual birdies. So she drew it for me. I paid her 150 bucks for the logo. And then that was it. I printed these flyers. I went to the park every single day for three months. I passed out all 5,000 flyers. So, I mean, I talked to so many people just like hanging out on park benches, like, Oh, you're from Mexico. No way. What part? Oh, cool. My mom's from here. Great. Like, I mean, chatting these people up, inviting them to a class. And on the first day, one kid showed up and my mm. and my twin nieces. So it looked like a little bit full because they're like twins, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? What is this? You know, like I thought I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to be like rich. Like that class, like with the kids that, that I had gone to had like 15 kids in there. And I had mm-hmm. one kid and I was just very confused. So luckily... She signed up, the mom signed up, because obviously my twin nieces were uh, non-paying customers. <laughs> and then, right. You know, um, I was really excited. I took that check for like 125 bucks and I went to Chase Bank and I was like, hi, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm going to open a business bank account. And they were like, do you have a tax ID number? Do you have like EIN? Do you have, are you registered? And I was just like, what, huh? Like, what is all that, you know? <laughs> and they're like, all right, kid, you need to go down to City Hall and like, figure all this stuff out. And you know, this was all like pre Instagram, like pre Facebook, mm-hmm. Facebook was just getting started. So it's not like I could, you know, take ads out or like, you know, it was just analog version, like pound the pavement, just chat people, you know? Right. So it was, it was hard, you know, and then slowly, slowly people started inviting us to, um, you know, well us, it was like, I was teaching these classes and by the way, I'm not a singer. I'm not very musical. Like Spanish actually is not my first language. So mm-hmm. it was, they were not very good. Like my brother, when he saw that that one lady signed up, he was like, yo, people will pay for anything. Like <laughs> was, wow, the shade. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I, it was, you know, I, I quickly, you know, put an ad on Craigslist and like look for someone who is bilingual and, you know, a little bit musical, loves children. And I found this girl, uh, Margaret from Colombia, and she has since become one of my best friends. Um, But she started teaching the classes. I would show her what we did and 
what I did. And then I would try and go and get like gigs in preschools. And I'd be like, all right, so like I, we could come here and do 30 minute classes. You know, the, the moms actually recommended us like, Hey, why don't you come to like our kid's school? And I was like, okay. And so that was cool. Cause they would pay us like a flat rate for our time. And I didn't have to go and search for children in the parks every day, you know? So uh-huh. then, you know, we started ramping up to other offer other services. And, uh, you know, today we teach thousands of children per week between 21 cities across the U.S., Canada, and Australia uh, via our licensing program where anyone in the world who's bilingual, if you live in Houston, if you live in D.C., if you live in, you know, the Bay Area, like wherever you live, you if you're bilingual and you speak Spanish, French, or Mandarin Chinese or English, and you love children and you want to share your language and culture with kids by teaching, you can earn money from home. Um, and you know, right now that it's of course COVID, you know, we used, it used to be a thousand dollars upfront to start, but we've eliminated that. So it's zero upfront to start and it's just $75 a month. And we give you your own website, your own training on the methodology, business boot camp, all the marketing materials that you need to succeed, your own classroom kit of instruments, maracas and puppets and drums and everything you need to engage the kids. And then every month we send you new themed curriculum. So it's really cool because like, let's say you're Sally and you live in Dallas and you're bilingual and you speak Spanish and you just got laid off from your preschool job. And, you know, it's, you're one of the 40 million people who've been laid off in the U S and you're thinking what to do. You can get trained online to start your own bilingual birdies business for 75 bucks a month and make money, Mm. you know, that's amazing. Yeah. I really believe in entrepreneurship. I mean, it has given me, I mean, bilingual birdies has given my life so much purpose and, you know, financial freedom and all that, all that stuff that I never thought, like, let's put it this way. I didn't think I was going to make it this far. You know, I've already Mm -hmm. surpassed so much of my greatest dreams, you know, and I I would love to give that opportunity to other people. Now it's, it's my honor to, to share that knowledge, you know, because I know how hard it is when you don't have any infrastructure and you don't have any guidance I mean, I was going to the bank and being like, do you guys know, like, how do you sell things? And they were like, kid, get a mentor. Like, what is like, get help, you know? And I was just like, I don't know anybody who knows how to do this stuff, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's a very common story for first gen, right? A lot of us are like the first ones to be doing a lot of different things, including starting businesses, getting higher education, just getting access to levels of, of wealth and information that previous generations just didn't have. So I... I'm curious, um, you know, as someone who now is the CEO of a company who's financially independent, thanks to this company, like, when did you know that this was going to be like your full-time thing? How long did that process take? It took some time. I I never really thought like, oh, this is going to be a big business. I just thought, I didn't even think I was going to hire people. Like my mind didn't work in those ways. In the beginning, I just thought this will be a fun thing to do. It's music, it's language, it's children, it's education. It's like alternative types of learning. I'm into all that, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And then I actually, someone forwarded me um, like an email to take this free entrepreneurship program at the Harlem YMCA. And it was through this, the network for teaching entrepreneurship. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. It was like sponsored by Lenovo computers. And I was like, what is this? So I went and applied and I got into the program and it was like other young people in their twenties who had an idea that, or had recently started. And it was basically entrepreneurship training. And then it was a business plan competition at the end and someone wins. Right. And so it's like, 
I never, I've never won anything before. I was always like on that girl trying to get like the Janet Jackson concert tickets, like on like, you know, calling the radio. <laughs> the radio. I was like, lost again, you know, like when is, are things going to turn up around here, you know? And so it's mm-hmm. like, it, it, like I never thought I would win. And I, it was a very interesting thing to sort of get this training just as I always say, as, as a violinist would train eight hours a day, you know, to perfect her art form, you know, of, of being a musician, right. And being a violinist that that takes practice, like being a good business person also takes practice. You have to train in how to do that. And I really think, you know, being a good business businesswoman is an art form, right? So Mm. I took this class and then I won the business plan competition and I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. They gave me $20,000 and my own office space and a computer. And I was just like, Oh my God, you know, like this is so exciting. And so it was a five-year business plan that I had to write. And that's when I really, it sort of clicked for me that, Oh wait, I think I actually can do this, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and grow this company. Right. Um, cause one thing is to start a business. Another thing is to grow a business, both very difficult, you know, in their own way. Um, you know, humans, we always kind of want to take it to the next level. Right. Um, but, uh, that was kind of, you know, that in that entrepreneurship training is where I sort of realized, you know, what was up. Okay. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. So I'm curious, what struggles um, have you faced while building a business as a first-gen woman of color? And what are some limiting beliefs that you face and how have you overcome them? 
I'm like, how much time do you have? <laughs> you know? Okay. So I will start here. I truly believe that one of the biggest cancers to society is the phrase, I'm not good enough. And when you start to have that as a part of your internal dialogue and believe it, um, very large problems can start to, to, ha- to create, uh, right, manifest right in front of your face. And so I mean, look, I grew up, you know, um, half Mexican, half Iranian girl in, in the Valley, San Fernando Valley here in LA. And I was, we basically, you know, moved to this neighborhood when I was like six. And um, it, it's a pretty much all white neighborhood where, where I lived at that, at that time. Now, now we're coming up, you know, but at that time it was, you know, we were like the ethnic family on the block and like nobody understood us. And you know, like my dad has a hardcore accent and like we look different from them. And I just always sort of felt like I could never quite catch up to like all these beautiful blonde, blue eyed girls that, you know, the, the like Courtney McDonald's of the world. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? Like, I will never mm-hmm. be as smart enough, as cool enough, as rich enough, as, mm. you know, as, as these people. And it, I started to believe that. And, um, you know, the mind is a very powerful thing. So it took a lot of work on myself over the years um, through therapy and through meditation and through writing and, you know, Zumba classes, a deep, deep introspection into my own cultural heritage and really celebrating all the gifts and, and, and the value of who I am and where I come from, right, to, to sort of mm-hmm. reverse all of that. And you know, as, as a first generation woman of color entrepreneur, you're bringing so much to the table. And yeah. uh, I think it was really worth the investment of time to go deep and, and figure out like, what, how did this all come to be? You know, like, mm-hmm. what's, what's the story here? What are all the stories, you know, um, of, of sort of overcoming obstacles and, and powering through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so just over the years, as, as those breakthroughs started to happen for me, it was, it was an extremely, you know, liberating and empowering, you know, um, thing for me to, to understand. So I, I feel like it's, if there are other girls out there who sort of feel like maybe they're a little bit different or don't quite belong, or, you know, I, I feel a lot of people feel like that, like, um, mm-hmm. especially in the Latinx community, you know, you if you go back enough generations, you, you don't, you know, you come from somewhere else. Right. And so it's like, I would encourage people to really fully understand the value of all the strengths involved in your, in your lineage. Right. Because even if nobody else looks like you, uh, you know, and you want to do this thing and, and you have not seen anybody else doing it who looks like you, you have to be your own role model. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I didn't grow up seeing any girls who look like me, like crushing it and in their own, like cool, like social enterprise business. Like that was, I didn't have access to that, you know? Yeah. So I feel like so much of my, my motivation today is, I mean, look, look at what's going on with everything right now. You know, I mean, black lives matter movement and, you know, my, my heart aches for, for the, for the black community and, you know, I think about my Afro-Latina friends and just how much you have to power through. I mean, and like, I mean, the messages coming at us are all like, you can't do this. Like, this isn't for mm. you. This is for them. I mean, if you just think about, you know, the ICE detention centers, like they're literally like locking up children 
just because yeah. of who they are and where they come from and what language they speak. Like it makes no sense. And I think that when I, when I think about like, I'm, I got to keep doing this, you know, it's like, I've been doing this for 13 years and it's like, I keep doing it. It's, I, I, look, it's a business. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not about making money. You have to make money. It's mm-hmm. a business. Right. But I, I do all this for my brothers and sisters that, that don't have a chance to do it. And for those who are feeling like I kind of want to do this, but I don't know if I can. Yes, you can. Like I'm doing it and I had zero information about how to make it happen and I figured it out and you will figure it out too. I love that message. I think it resonates so much with me and I think a lot of our listeners because it goes back to this idea, right? Where it's so hard to imagine yourself doing something if you don't have examples, but you can be that example. And I think you are serving as that. So that's awesome. No, thanks. (laughs) All right. So I'm curious because like you said, you've been doing this for 13 years. So there must be some lessons that you have learned about entrepreneurship along the way. And I'm curious if you'd share some of those lessons. Oh, yes. Uh, So something that took me a little bit of time to really fully comprehend with every cell in my body to get (laughs) (laughs) is um, todo es temporal, right? It's... Mm. Everything is temporary. You get into a situation and you're just like, this is the end. Oh my God, how did this happen? What are we going to do? This is just so much messier than I thought. And you're crying and dying and you're like, this is terrible. Why did I ever start this? It will pass. You know, it will, it will all, it will pass. That thing will mm-hmm. go on to the next and then the next problem will come. <laughs> get excited because <laughs> then, you, you know, you got one more under your belt. So I feel like it's really important to remember that. Um, And then also, I would say another one is just everything matters. I don't know how it works in some weird way. And this is sort of maybe a little more of like a spiritual way of thinking or something. But I really believe everything you do matters, even if it's small, even if nobody sees it. It it does matter. Like it, mm-hmm. it will make an effect. So I I tried to remind myself that you know behind closed doors when we're in the office and trying to figure out you know problems that occur or whatever how to you know secure things up. I I really try to put that diligence and mindfulness and care into the work that I do because it's important. In the end, it's young children. You know, we serve mainly preschool age children, and I just I feel like you know if we're drawing vocabulary sheets, right? And these are all the farm animals and this is, you know, your body parts, head, shoulders. Okay, well, let's draw the party body parts. Maybe let's make that shade of color darker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it does matter, you know, like we're giving this to children in front of them. Why does it all have to be like one standard way that we've seen for generations, like in books and things like that, right? So I don't know, those little details, like I really feel are important. Um, I would say another one is fail fast fail fast don't be afraid of failing i mean i have failed so much (laughs) over the years you know and people love to talk about their successes and you know everybody loves talking about like how cool they are and and what amazing accomplishments they've made but you know i can tell you that i have failed you know every year of those 13 really really well and A lot of them, you know, like I would say, you know, you feel ashamed when you fail and it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I let this happen, you know, but fail fast, make it happen. There's so much to learn from when we make these failures and um, it will only make you stronger. I think in the beginning, you know, I used to buy like the maracas and all the instruments for the children that we provide from like 
you know, like a cheap, cheap website, like that mm-hmm. I, is all I could afford. Right. And so we'd hand them out in the class and everybody's singing. Hola, hola, como estas? Muy bien. We're teaching Spanish and everyone's jamming and rocking. And I just see this little kid with like a little shaker and it just like broke in her mouth. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, like, this is so terrible. This looks horrible, you know? And I was just like, okay, like this is quite embarrassing. And of course the mom's pissed. Like it looks like she's choking on the little pellets that were inside oh of the maraca. And I'm like, this is miserable. Like this, this baby is going to be here, like having problems, like because of me, you know, and it's just, okay, I messed up. Like, I didn't know, you know what I mean? And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I took that experience and I reviewed and, you know, I made sure that the systems were in place for us to never purchase items from that website again. And to mm-hmm. really buy like quality musician style, you know, uh, instruments for the kids. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, those details matter. You respect the children. This is important work that we're doing. It's not just like patty cake, like happy, happy, whatever. Like we're trying to set kids on the right path for the rest of their lives, you know, to really embrace diversity and celebrate diversity instead of, you know, reject it. So that by the time they get to kindergarten and, you know, they're maybe sitting next to somebody who speaks Spanish or Chinese, it's like, they're, they're not going to be like, ill gross. They're going to be like, oh, awesome. I know all the colors and I heard a count and I know, you know, all the farm animals in Mandarin Chinese. That's so cool. I learned that in, in preschool, you know, to, mm-hmm. to just really, you know, celebrate that. So I, I, those failures, it's okay. You know, no one's going to remember. People are so busy in their day to day, you know, just learn from it, put the systems in place to ensure that it will never happen again. And then, you know, in a month or so, go back and, and review and, and reevaluate and just, you know, keep, keep tabs on it and it will help you get better. You know, if you get 1% better every day, just think after a whole year, you're 365% better than you were last year. Like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. All right. So one of the things that a lot of my listeners are pursuing is financial freedom. So I'm curious, what does financial freedom look like for you? I think financial freedom is owning your own time. Uh, time is money, right? Right. <laughs> time is money. And, you know, what? how do you measure? I, I once remember a friend of mine, he owns um, successful restaurants in Brooklyn, um, Bogota Latin Bistro, and he's actually half Greek and half um, Colombian. And so it's really cool. He has, like, all these restaurants, and he told me, like, I measure my success you know, and my financial freedom by how many times I can go to the movies every month because I love going to the movies. So if I don't have time to go to the movies, I'm not working correctly. And Mm. I was like, oh, it's so interesting, you know, and I remember when I first got started with my business, you know, I love traveling. Like I, you know, I I had a little bit of cash in the beginning. So I would like pump out these trips to like Mexico and go to the beach and hang out. And, And a lot of my friends would be like, what's up? Like, do you even work? Like, what, what is this? Like, you know, and I, and I would be like, yeah, I work. Like, what are you talking about? Like some people work for the money and some people make their money work for them, you know, mm. and I'm trying to make my money work for me. And it's, that's my right. If I want to go to the beach and lay up, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. I have to put the pieces in place to ensure that I'm making money while that's happening. You know what I mean? And, and that's it. If people want to judge, let them judge. Like, I'll be busy on the beach, you know, so they're not the ones that saw you working like 19 hour days to, you know, create a cushion where you could even start this business. So they can shut the hell up. Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's like, you know, you are the one that takes that initial risk and all the, the stress of starting a business that jump into entrepreneurship is, 
not for everybody, you know, it's mm -hmm. not, not, not for nothing. You know, it's, I don't want to take anything away from, from hardworking people who have jobs because entrepreneurs need people like that to succeed as well. You know, everybody mm -hmm. sort of has this place in this amazing world, you know, but it's, it's one of those things where for me owning my own time, I think also I, I'm not, I don't have kids yet, but a lot of for moms, from what I've heard, <laughs> um, time becomes a very, you know, scarce limited asset in your life when mm -hmm. you start to have kids and I just think that you know something like you know having your own business for me having bilingual is like when I have kids like it will be great because first of all it's like a kid business and then second of all like I can make sure that I manage my time and work effectively when I have the time to do it you know and, and if I want to have more time with my kids I'll set up my business in a way that will afford me to do that and I just think that's the beauty of of entrepreneurship it really is a pathway to to one of the pathways to financial freedom to just have yeah. more time to to live your life you know i love that such such great advice all right so let's get into more advice because you have so much to share so what advice would you give to someone who wants to start a business but they have no idea where to start you know i hear from so many people that they're just like yeah i want to do something but i don't even know like what is needed or or what i'm passionate about so how did you how did how would you advise someone to kind of go about that process? Sure, sure. I think if you want to start a business right now in this year of 2020 that we are all living, which will inevitably go down as <laughs> one of the most intense years uh, in the 21st century, right? Um, mm -hmm. Sit down and have a good long think about what is missing around you. What job is missing around you that that doesn't exist and I would go out and create that job for yourself there is so much work that needs to be done there are you know just so much work that needs to be done you know and I think that if you can manage to think of something that will sustain your attention for at least five years because you know it does take time to start start to build a business right um there's always like a ramp up period um you know a year or six months who knows um, and then things will go wrong, right? Like along the way. And I think if you can sort of manage to to overcome two scenarios, I think you'll be very successful. One is when everything goes wrong and everything around you falls, if you can power through to, to just keep putting one foot in front of the other, um, mm -hmm. that that is awesome. And the other one is at some point you will get bored. I think it happens to a lot of entrepreneurs, every business. At some point, you will get bored. You will not care about getting one more school. You will not care about getting like more money. You will not care about like all these things that you got to figure out. You will just get kind of like disengaged a bit. And I think if you can power through and find a way to innovate in those times and to um, really sort of like rethink how you're going to get engaged back into the business, you will be very successful. Um, but yeah, and then listen to other people's stories. What helped a lot for me was, you know, listening to like, like this, like listening to podcasts like your own, um, mm -hmm. like yours and, and understanding other people's stories. If you listen to enough case studies of other people building their businesses, eventually you realize, oh, like I can do this, you know, like I felt what they've felt before. Um, and just, I would say the last thing is daily, um, motivation like daily self-motivation whatever you got to do if you have to get up and write down 15 times a day si se puede, i can do this I, I i believe in myself i yo puedo pagar la renta yo puedo hacer esto i can make it happen like 
whatever you got to do, you know, and put a sign in front of your mirror every morning when you brush your teeth and you're looking at this thing that says like, yes, you can. Eventually you will get that you can do it. Um, Mm -hmm. Whatever sort of, you know, modalities that you use to, to help yourself get up and stay up, I think is really, really important because, you know, even for all these entrepreneurship classes that I've taken everything in the end, I realized you can sort of farm out all the, all the skills like, you know, bookkeeping and marketing and branding and things like this. But what is the most important thing is to have that inner dialogue uh, be very strong where you understand you can keep pushing forward. So I would invest time and in, and in, in getting that under wraps and really just, you know, fully comprehending that you can keep going even when it gets difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's excellent advice. And it reminds me of a friend that I have who she wakes up two hours before her normal nine to five to put in those hours to build her own business. So it's like doing those small incremental things to take it to the next level. That's what's required of entrepreneurship, right? It doesn't just happen. Like, I don't think anybody becomes an accidental entrepreneur. You're just passionate about this idea and you figure out along the way how to monetize it and how to grow it and how to, you know, just, just organize it in a way that it actually becomes a business. Absolutely. I mean, anybody can think of an idea and just sort of give it a whirl, you know, but like, that's hot, right? Like, it's great. Mm -hmm. But to to have a legacy and build something that's going to grow and in entrepreneurship is, is really a beautiful thing, you know, and it's the journey of that, how much you'll learn and how much you can contribute. Hopefully there's some, you know, social enterprise sort of attached to it in some way, give back program, you know, like you can transform your entire community. I think that's so cool. Like for us in bilingual birdies, like we, we've done a lot of things where, you know, we'll have a program where we teach English to, to new immigrant families. So we do the whole bilingual mm-hmm. approach, but it's free classes for kids to, and their moms to learn English, right? So we did that for a while. Um, we have volunteered in senior centers, right? <laughs> where we do bilingual birdies with the seniors uh, that they want to, you know, learn English, like, you mm-hmm. know, in pri- pri- predominantly like uh, Latinx community, right? Um, we've done even a program where we went to Kenya and we worked in a preschool there and did sort of like a cultural exchange. Their preschool teachers showed us what they do with the kids. We show them what we do with the kids. We did classes and concerts and really, you know, built this super beautiful connection with the school there. And we sponsor, um, the children now, you know, a couple of the kids. So it's, it's really, you know, I think whatever you think is missing, go out, take it, take a review now we have the time to sort of do that, hopefully, and and make it happen, whatever you believe is missing. I love that advice, and I love what you touched Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. John, about the social responsibility aspect of things, because it's more than just about making money, right? Like you, at some point, the money doesn't even matter. And you would do the work for free if you really are passionate about it. So I think it's important to to know that just the desire to make money is not what's going to sustain you as an entrepreneur. You have to be passionate about what you're doing and the impact that it's going to have. I, in my experience, that's exactly right. The money will usually come. 
You know, when mm-hmm. you when you are, if you believe in yourself and you're super passionate about what you're doing, it sells it every time. You know, it's, yeah. it, the money will come naturally. Like people see that spark in your eye and they're just like, wow, like this girl's going for it, you know? And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I will forever hold the flag for children and diversity. Like, let's let's make it happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I would yeah. say to, to look into that. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm curious, what is your money mantra? My money mantra is that money is one of my best friends. <laughs> That's awesome. I, here and now, okay? Uh, I treat it with respect and kindness, just as you would one of your best friends. Um, I don't use it or abuse it. Uh, I'm very thankful to it when it's there for me. Um, I try to make sure that our time lasts very long with each other. <laughs> That's fantastic. I think I might have to steal that from you. Just <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> it's all yours. Yeah. That's great. All right. So for anybody who's listened to this episode and has been sparked by the entrepreneurship bug and wants to find out more about bilingual birdies or even find out more about you, where can we find you? Yes. If you are bilingual and you speak Spanish, French, or Mandarin Chinese or English, and you would like to share your language and culture to teach kids, um, then you can start your own bilingual birdies and start earning money from home even by doing classes online. So the website is bilingualbirdies.com forward slash license. And there you can see the application process and check it out. We ask for a little audition video where you have to sing wheels on the bus in Spanish and teach a few key words in a fun musical (laughs) way. And then, you know, hopefully you get approved and then you basically start paying 75 bucks a month and and you can have your own business, your own bilingual birdies business for 75 bucks a month. Um, There's a $100 application fee so we can run your background check. And then that's Mm -hmm. it. It's really cool. Um, If you want to check us out on Instagram, you can do that. It's at bilingual underscore birdies. And uh, my personal one is uh, Farzamcita, uh, that's F-A-R-Z-A-M-C-I-T-A. And uh, I would say follow the Bilingual Birdies one because we post really cool videos. And especially right now, a lot of resources for raising children, um, you know, given everything that is going on and has been going on uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement and just really how to ensure anti-racism in the home. And, you know, celebrating diversity and multiculturalism is great. That's a start. You know, we really need to push ourselves to go further than that. So um, please do look into those things. If you have kids and would like to join some of our classes, you can go to bilingualbirdies.com forward slash Zoom. And we are teaching online classes every week, which are super fun. And uh, I would love to hear from any of you that have uh, stories of, you know, entrepreneurship or kind of you know, you're on the tipping point of, of taking that jump into the into the world of entrepreneurship. This is awesome. I am so thankful for your time. I thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. And I love that you have built a business that celebrates diversity. I think more than ever, uh, people are kind of looking for those businesses. They want to invest their dollars in businesses that um, just, you know, are anti, I guess, the traditional, just like, it's about them and versus us. And so I just, I love everything that you're doing and I can't wait for everybody to hear this episode. Awesome. Thank you so much.
I really hope you guys love this story. I think Sarah is the perfect example of somebody who may have been lacking the financial capability to start a business, but she made up with that in hustle. She worked her ass off. She built this business from the ground up. And the most important part of this whole thing is that she believed in herself. And sometimes that's all you need to take an idea from your mind and make it a business, right? So many times we have these like mental blocks and we're convinced that we don't have anything to offer to the world and that nobody's going to pay us for our skills and who the hell are we to even start a business? And I just love Sarah's story. I hope that you guys found this super inspiring. And if you have a business idea that's in your head that you want to bring out and share with the world, I totally encourage you to do it because we have one life here on this planet. And what is the point of not living your entire best life by sharing your skills and your passions with the world? If you want to find out more about Bilingual Birdies, head over to BilingualBirdies.com and you can find out how to set up your own Bilingual Birdies business. And if you're interested in learning more about entrepreneurship and how you can start building your own business, be sure to join me as I will be participating in Finances and Fuego 2 a five-day long summit where Latinas who own businesses will be talking about everything from how to go from idea to execution, how to organize your business finances, how to deal with taxes, retirement, health insurance, and even how to use YouTube to build your brand. I can't wait to spend some time with everybody who's registered and it's not too late to register. If you wanna get your tickets, please head over to wanderonwards.co slash fuego dash two to get your tickets now. When you purchase your ticket, you will have access to the replays for life. So don't worry if you can't attend the live sessions, you'll have unlimited access to all of the replays. If you're loving this podcast, please make sure to share, rate, review, and subscribe. And please make sure to let everybody you know and love know about this podcast. The only way we're gonna start moving the needle and getting financial literacy to everybody that needs it is by sharing podcasts like this one. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay entrepreneurial, stay innovative, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.